Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I am your host, Kay Fresh. And like always, we have a great show for you. Before we get into that, definitely want to remind everybody how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshesthepodcast.com and just you and just uh, share any of the links on there, the podcast episodes, or any other articles on there on your social media. That would always help. Uh, you can also click on the support the podcast link, and there's a PayPal link you can donate to if you'd like. And there's also an Amazon link if you want to make any Amazon purchases. Use that link, and it'll kick back a little commission my way. It won't change anything on your end at all. And also, you can uh, follow Fresh is the Word on Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word number 1. And then also on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and give us a like and share anything that you see on there also you can subscribe to fresh is the word on stitcher and itunes uh just go to either place and search fresh is the word and it'll come up give us a subscribe give us a rating five stars and a comment if i see a comment i'll definitely read it on the show all right, let's get to our show today. We have a I have a great guest, really great interview I did with Adam D'Amico, uh, the guitarist for the Deathcore band out of New Jersey, Lorna Shore. They recently released their sophomore album, Flesh Coffin, through Outer Loop Records. So we do talk about what went into making that album. They're about to go on their own headlining tour, the Beg for Death Tour along with Body Snatcher, Extortionist, and Hive. Uh, so definitely, definitely check them out if they roll through your town. So let's get to the interview with Adam D'Amico of Lorna Shore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, thanks for taking time out to uh, chat with me. Oh, no problem. Thank you for actually having me. <laughs> <laughs> the new Lona Shore album is out, uh, Flash Coffin. I really dig it. Really enjoy it. I'm super excited to see you guys when you come to town here in Michigan. Um, uh-huh. You just came off tour with Carnifax and De- Despised Icon. I saw that was like the longest tour that you guys done as a band. You know, how was that experience? Um, yeah, it was definitely a really long tour, but fortunately we were on tour with a bunch of bands that we like. Like we've all toured with all those bands before. Yeah. Um, you know, Volusia, Rings of Saturn, Carnifax, we've toured all those bands. So it just like felt like we're just hanging out with every day. Um, so what was... 10-week tour kind of went by really quickly because you're not you're just kind of hanging out with everyone you enjoy hanging out with so um the tour was definitely really long but fortunately because we were surrounded with really awesome people it made the tour go really go by really quickly so um when i think about it how long it was it did not feel that way it felt like it just went by in an instant so um yeah it was really really awesome it was cool like just you know playing shows every single day and all the shows were really awesome turnout and and you know also releasing our album was really awesome to do that on the on the uh, on that tour so yeah overall it was a pretty sweet tour so i have no complaints about that awesome you know what do, what do you guys do when you're you know not on stage you know when you have those times you know on the road you know how do you you know pass the time by um i mean i guess everyone kind of does their own thing uh usually it's you know like i said fortunately in the situation where we're hanging out with a bunch of people you just spend time just hanging out with everyone you know your normal stuff going to get food hanging out, you know, if you're in a cool place, you want to go sightsee. And usually sometimes if we're surrounded in a cool city, we want to go see a bunch of cool stuff like that. It usually takes up our time. So sometimes we try to become tourists, but <laughs> fortunately, uh, but, you know, um, just, I guess everyone just kind of just does their own thing. I mean, I play guitar. I mean, everyone else kind of just does other things. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think we kind of do the same thing that we do at home, but just in either in a van or like at a venue or like, you know what I'm saying? So it's not right. really we do anything like crazy to, to pass the time. I mean, I play guitar whether I'm on the road or not on the road. And same with everyone else. They, they play their instrument whether they're home or not. So it's just kind of a, still a, a continued habit of just doing the stuff that we do at home as well as doing it on the road. But fortunately, you're not in the same situation or same logistic place every single day. So sometimes trying to, like, for instance, for me, I also enjoy reading because it just passes, makes these long drives go quicker. Okay. Um, sometimes in it, on, on a long drive, when you're surrounded with a bunch of people, it's not as quiet. Whereas if you're by yourself or like at home or sitting somewhere else, it's a little bit more peace and quiet. So I guess there's, there's varying differences, but you try to keep yourself occupied to to make the time go by quicker. Cause otherwise if you're just sitting there by yourself, just doing nothing, it, it'll feel like an eternity. So right. just keeping as busy as possible is, is my motto. So I either, whether I'm taking care of band stuff, whether I'm reading, whether I'm, you know, uh, doing something to change music or whatever else may be. I just try to keep occupied because, like I said, sometimes these long, long eight-hour, 12-hour drives will feel like an eternity if you're just sitting there looking out the window the entire time. So, right. Uh, what kind of stuff do you like to read? Um, I try to like read whatever kind of I'm interested in, you know, uh, I, whether it is either fiction or nonfiction, biographies or whatever it may be, just kind of whatever catches my interest or whatever I'm kind of like, it's kind of similar to music. You kind of get into like a certain niche, like whether, you know, you're into a certain sort of like sound of music. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's about, sometimes I kind of feel like reading some fiction, fiction stuff like Kurt Vonnegut, or uh, I do like uh, uh, Lovecraft. Um, I do enjoy uh, just really, really obscure fictional stuff. Cause like sometimes you just want to separate yourself and just be in a completely different world. Nothing, nothing. It's just like kind of normal. And then I try just obviously reading some more sort of self-development type of books, whether it be on like just personal growth, whether it be on like, uh, 
communication skills or just any sort of thing that kind of makes a better person or try to make me a better person and, and help me develop my just like skills as a, as, a, as a person. I try to do that as well, just to develop. Um, and I try to just it, it, use that sort of stuff that I learned reading those books to kind of um, maybe help progress the band and stuff like that, whether it be like marketing or advertising kind of ideas that I try to learning about or just communication skills and stuff like that. Because being on the road, it isn't necessary. It's important to have good communication skills with whether it be, you know, fans or other people or promoters or whatever yeah. it may be, you don't want to be just like this hermit and can't talk to anybody. So I try, I try to develop some sort of skills on the road as well as I try to just be entertained by just reading books or reading comics or whatever it may be. So is there anything specific that you're reading right now? And I haven't really read anything recently. I've kind of been like, uh, <laughs> out, you know what I'm saying? I, I've, right. I've been kind of shut out. I have I really haven't picked up a book uh, since I've been home from tour. Yes, but usually now that we're, now that we're going for t- going on tour, I might try to go and and find something to get uh, this this week so I can occupy my time a little bit better. Cool. Outside of being the guitarist for uh, Lorna Shore, you know, what's sort of your uh, your role in the band when you're doing band stuff? Is there anything specific that you kind of get you know? the duty to do on, you know, whether it's making the album or on tour, is there anything specific, a specific role that you uh, play in this band? Um, I kind of just take care of a lot of the things that we need to do. I mean, almost everything gets funneled or filtered through me, okay. whether it be the creative side of writing, whether it be like the uh, business side with dealing with like our, our booking agent or, or manager or our merch store. Like I'm kind of the guy that I go through that, that goes through all that stuff as well as I do with a lot of the financial uh, stuff. I just kind of pretty much do it all for the band, but uh, just because I kind of fell into my lap and I'm one of those, uh, I don't want to say I'm one of the control people, but I just know that it's, I have a philosophy if you want things done right, you just do it yourself. Right. <laughs> and, and, and not that anyone else can't do it, but I just know that if, if I know I'm capable of doing something, I just go ahead and do it. There's certain things that I'm not really good at. There's certain things that I don't do and I just delegate because those aren't my you know, skills of forte. Like, I'm not big on social media. I'm not so good at it. Yeah and just doing that like i'll forget like I, I don't really sit on social media that much so it's like hard for me to just get in that mindset um i do it from time to time but like i said I, i'm really not that good at that but i i do it i do everything else for the band whether it be like the creative side of just music or coming up with merch designs or or, or coming up with merch ideas rather and, and talking to those people to create that for me like coming up with concepts for a music video or um artwork or anything else like that or whether it just be just keeping the band afloat with money and uh financial stuff or just keeping spreadsheets worth of stuff everything else like that i just try to keep the band as functional and operating as possible so i have no problem just taking care of as much as i can just as, like i said i know that i'm just one of those people that like <laughs> right. i like things just uh, if i can do it like i said like i said if i can't do anything then i'm kind of like yeah go ahead you do it i can't <laughs> you know but, <laughs> right right but it's usually a group effort too like there's not i don't sit there and just do everything myself and don't say anything to the band. I usually kind of go, I'm like on the forefront dealing with these people. And then I just kind of deliver a message to my band and go, what do you guys think? Okay. And usually we're all on the same page. You know, it's not like I just kind of take everything and do it all. And they find out later on, it's more like, okay, if I'm getting merch ideas done, what do you guys think of this? And then I'll come back and delegate that. You know, we just kind of discuss or whatever, whatever it may be. It's usually still a group process of, it's still a band. It's not just like the Adam and here's everyone else, you know, yeah. but still, but I'm the, I'm kind of the, 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 the arrowhead when it comes to dealing with all that sort of stuff though. So I do, I have a lot of roles in this band. <laughs> right. Right. 
I mean, generally with any band, you know, there's going to be some headbutting and whatnot, you know, throughout the course of, uh, you know, dealing, you know, going through this thing with uh, other members of the band. But for the most part, is everybody in the band on the uh, same page? Are you able to, uh, you know, you know, resolve conflicts pretty quickly? Mm. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think we try to. You let stuff go for a lot longer. So we've definitely tried recently, especially this past like year or so, to really if there's a conflict to resolve to resolve it like right then and there because it does not need because especially on the road, yeah, something that gets dragged out for seven days will become really, really, really a big like tense issue, and you don't want to deal with that on the road. So we, we've gotten better um, at just resolving resolving any sort of conflict, but I don't think there's that much conflict in and because we naturally just get along as like friends aside from being in the band. Like you know, when we're home from tour, we also all hang out, we also see each other, we don't just like go on the road, come home, never talk to each other, and then go on the road again. Like, I know that there's right. certain bands that kind of do that. They, they separate themselves. That works for them. But for us, we kind of just, like, when I come home, I still hit up everyone else in my band and we hang out. So I think because we, we have that close-knit relationship outside of the band, it makes it easier to solve any sort of conflict. Because I feel like a lot of the conflicts are just resulting from stupid communication issues. Miscommunications are just so, someone says to this or someone misinterpreted this, whether then no one's really doing anything malicious to each other, you know, which is I'm thankful for because I'm sure there's probably other situations where people are literally doing like malicious stuff to everyone else in the band. And that's probably harder to deal with, with us more just communicational stuff or, or some, someone misinterpreting each other. And we try to just resolve that early. Uh, so it doesn't get built up, especially on the road. It's even worse to deal with that on the road. So right. I think we're a lot better at it now since having the experience of touring a lot more. So, Right. Yeah, coming up, uh, you guys have your own headlining tour, the Bag for Death tour with Extortionist, Body Snatcher, and Hive. You know, this tour mm-hmm. kind of represents a really hungry deathcore sound right now. All great bands. You know, what can we expect from this tour? I don't know what to expect, honestly. I'm expecting, I'm expecting the best. <laughs> but uh, I'm just hoping that we finally get, because a lot of people have always asked, you know, on a lot of tours we've been on, always want us to have to play a longer set, have always asked us to headline. And we never were in the situation where we wanted to or felt like we were capable of. So I think for us, one of the main things that we really expect is to really be able to have a longer set. And I think for people, just fans, to be able to have the experience to see Lauren Shore play longer than 25 minutes or 20 to 25 minutes like we normally play. So that's kind of the one thing that my expectation is to just be able to play a longer set, to play more of the songs that we want to play. Because there's a lot of tours where you have to like, sacrifice one song in order to fill another because you know because of what we're allotted. So this time we're actually able to kind of play the songs we want to play and promote what we want to promote as opposed to being limited by time slots. But I think we're just ex- excited to have like really, really good shows. I mean, I think these are a little bit smaller venues, so I think they'll pack out a little bit more. It'd be a little more intimate because I felt on the last tour that we were on, we were off more bigger venues or more barricades. Everything. I felt a little from where we were to where the fans were on a lot of these shows and a lot of bigger venues. Whereas now I think on these shows that we're playing, a little bit smaller venues, a little bit more close-knit, and it's going to be a little more up-close and personal. I think kind of more excited for that because it's that when you're not playing that. Right. A little more personal with people who get to talk to us and this and the other thing because it's not going to be as crazy of a venue and crazy as restrictions and everything else like that, you know. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward, just, just to be able to hang out with people who wanted to see the band on a different level, seeing, seeing us on someone else's headline tour. If that makes any sense. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. 
Um, it seems like these days, you know, with the whole deathcore thing, uh, you know, bands are still doing that sound, but they're trying to branch out into other things, whether it's being more of a black metal sound, a technical sound, or even incorporating some cleaned vocals. You know, why do you think it's important to continually expand and cultivate this sort of subgenre of metal? Well, I think that if you don't kind of, I felt like there was a period of time where this kind of sound was very stagnant. I felt maybe, I don't know when it was, but there was definitely a period of time where it was just basically becoming, there was no uh, progression, if you will. It was more just kind of the same thing over and over. It was very just cookie cutter, um, just kind of factory-like. And I think that in order to have a genre grow, you, you need to have people push the genre in a different direction. And whether it be, you know, like a single sense or the people kind of um, experimenting with different types of vocals or anything else like that, I think it's just all good because you're progressing. And I think it's important because if you don't, it'll just kind of just die up and just be another kind of phase because no one's really taken the forefront to try to promote it, you know, to try to progress it. And um, I think it just definitely is important because if not, then anyone else who probably enjoys this genre of music will, that will cease to exist. And people have to kind of force to go somewhere else to listen to, to get their fixation of, of certain types of sounds. Yeah. I think for me, as a, as, a, as a writer, I get bored writing the same thing over and over again. I, I get more excited to kind of mend and uh, incorporate other elements because I think everyone does listen to different genres of music, and why not try to incorporate it in some sort of way into your own band? And uh, that's kind of my philosophy with it all, and I try, I try to – I get bored really easily, so that, that's why I try to just incorporate whatever we can. I just think it's really important to try to do that because it, it will – I guess that progress a genre that you know won't just be a trend at some point or, or, or a phase rather so right uh after a few independent eps you know you guys dropped the psalms album in 2015 and then you have the new uh album uh flesh coffin earlier this year you know how do you think the band has improved on the course of those uh those two full-length albums how do you think the band has improved um yeah. I just feel like we just kind of know what we wanted to do more. I think that's just basically our biggest improvement is kind of knowing what is it we're trying to accomplish and, and, and getting better at accomplishing that. You know, I feel like this album is a good representation of our band because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we wanted to do on previous albums like EPs or or singles or full lengths. To, to accomplish everything that we wanted to accomplish on this album, we really get the mark with it on our from our standpoint. And, um, I think just by each, every album, we just get better at really just kind of having this sound and this idea in our head and being able to put it to paper and, and uh, create something material off of that. So I think that's just what the experience is. Being, you know, as long as you write better, you get at kind of expressing your overall ideals. So I think just with time, we've gotten better uh, I want to sound. Right. And I see with this album that you guys, you know, produced the record along with uh, uh, Carson Slovak and Grant McFarlane. You know, how was it working with these guys and what was their role in making this new album? Um, it was really awesome. I think it was really um, easy to work with, which makes it really important because I think that I never realized how important it was. But uh, the fact that you're able to take your time and work on parts and, and, and just be in the right kind of comfortable environment. It just, I feel like it's easier for you to perform as an artist rather than being under stress and kind of worried about like deadlines and, 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 you know, and you're all crunching trying to produce as much as possible. Whereas I never felt that was rushed in the least bit. So I think that was really, really important just to be in that kind of clear, uh, to, to be in a uh, comfortable environment. And, and that was very useful, but I think they're, they're also really good as far as like, um, 
giving ideas. They're really like, you know, I, I always second guess myself, so they're really helpful with just being like, no, it's a really good idea, or, <laughs> or maybe try to do like this. And, you know, they're really, really hands on with um, what they, what uh, you know, what they thought sounded good. And I think that aside from from you know them helping us out with that, I think we also went through that refining process beforehand. Like we made sure we knew everything we wanted to do. I demoed everything out. We were able to make really good decisions comparable to last albums. So I think just aside from just us being able to kind of do the record, they were really, really helpful with as far as just being super laid back, super chill, um, really like opinionated when it comes to certain ideas. When, when, when need be, you know, there are certain times that we need them and there's certain times that they're really willing to, to help with that. So um, overall, like I said, it was really, really awesome experience. It was like the best recording experience that we can definitely say, because like I said, it was, really 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 easy to record an album with them so from a you know from a production standpoint writing and recording standpoint you know what did you feel like you guys learned or what did you personally learn from making this album just uh, trying to really be more dynamic is one thing that i feel like we learned i mean i don't think we really accomplished that much on this album but i think it just it's food for thought for for the future albums it's just really just understanding how dynamics work and uh, just having, you know, not having the same thing consistently all the way through. Um, I think most stuff that we learned from this album is all going to be uh, done for the next album. But yeah, we mostly just like dynamics, uh, song structure, arrangement. That was a, a lot of things that we were really focusing on uh, beforehand. And that's a lot of stuff that we really, really are still learning about and learning on uh, was, like I said, song structure, arranging, just the use of dynamics of having, uh, you know, the complete change because it, it feels like it, it makes the listener more uh, intrigued when it's not just like the same thing and just really kind of promotes that. And that was one thing that Carson and Grant were really excited about when we would have parts that maybe not on purpose, but would be more dynamic. They're, they really were like excited to, to hear a dynamic part thrown in with kind of, you know, something to just to have a little more contrast. So, but definitely just dynamics and contrast were some things that we really, really learned producing this album. And uh Yeah. For uh, on this album, you guys uh, um, signed with uh, Outer Loop Records. You know, how's it been working mm-hmm. with them? Uh, it's been good. Uh, we've we've worked with Mike before. Mike is our manager, so we've had a really good relationship with them. But now it's just more people involved and more people willing to assist the process. Um, so it's really good because, like I said, I think in the past when we released Psalms, uh, the label fell under before we got to release it. So we really didn't have much help when it came out to our album, and even after album came out, there was no extra push because we weren't on the label. Whereas this time it's like, you know, I think the modern standpoint of, of a, of a band on a label is like, okay, just do all this work before the album comes out. And then once the album comes out, then see where it goes. I think that there, that was, at least that was our mindset. And now it's like, even our albums out, we're still trying to find other ways to kind of promote the band and other sort of avenues and, and everything else like that. So it's cool to have other people who have more experience with that. And, and when it comes to just marketing or promoting or anything else like that. So, it's just cool to have a whole team kind of behind you willing to help you out. From the, the early years of the inception of this band, you know, what's kind of like your, uh, your fondest memories of those uh, sort of early years when you guys were sort of playing with the sounds, trying to figure, you know, shit out, you know, what's some of your, your fondest memories of that time? Uh, the early years, <laughs> there's not that many fond memories, but it was more so mistakes that we made. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, just <laughs> that was definitely some of the stuff that I could think of, like making a lot of huge errors and, and arguing about dumb things that doesn't really even matter in the grand scheme of the context of, of a uh, you know lifetime. But right, um, some of the earlier members I definitely think is, is 
is when we did our EP Malficium. I think we did it all ourselves. We funded it. We funded all ourselves. We when we recorded with awesome producer. So things like we do everything all on our own back. We'd have to like resort to anybody else. We made all the decisions ourselves. We we were kind of just before that we're always trying to like find a manager or booking agent or a label and just so just, just so they can take care of us. And I think when we did our our EP Malficium from the recording to you know us sending out pre-orders in, in our you know, my drummer's apartment and everything else like that. It was just really awesome just to be able to be a self man. I think that was, that's something you don't really kind of see a lot nowadays, I feel. Um, not as often, I feel many bands are more reliant on, like, everybody else to take care of them. Um, whereas we were just earlier, before we even got signed and started touring, we were able to take care of ourselves. But that was definitely our, our best, my best memory of, of the early parts about being a band is, you know, being able to make your own decisions and seeing that the, those decisions you're making are, are, are actually benefiting your band so definitely definitely that stuff definitely that the our malficium ep era yeah definitely uh you know coming coming from new jersey you know what was the scene like there coming up you know what was your guys's place uh you know coming up as a band when you guys were trying to figure things out uh yeah we grew up in a scene that isn't really a metal induced scene you know um it was more definitely more hardcore based so it kind of forced us to adapt our sound to kind of fit the local area. You know, most of the bands are a lot more heavier, a lot more hardcore based. There was not really many metal bands and we kind of wanted to be a metal band, but still be relevant to, you know, all the local shows. So we kind of adapted our sound to kind of fit along with the local scene. And, and that sound is now kind of part of what we sound like, you know? So I definitely think growing up in Jersey definitely gave us more, uh, like a uh, eye-opening experience to just be more versed in different kind of that uh, you know, uh, different types of groups of people because, like I said, it's it's different from everywhere else I go. Everywhere else we tour is more like predominantly a certain type of sound. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely uh, grown us to be the band we are. Right. When you were kind of coming up in New Jersey, you know, you know, when's when was the first time you guys you know went out of town? You know, you know. When, when did you make that decision where you're like, okay, we got to go somewhere else, you know, and what did you guys do at the, you know, where did you go? Fortunately, Jersey is a very small state, so it's really easy to get out of state, you know? So right. we, I think since I joined the band, uh, we were always already playing, playing in Pennsylvania or playing in New York. Um, so I just think that it was a, a lot of the reason why we kept doing it more often was because maybe shows weren't really going on as often at home. So we we're like, well, let's just try going out to Pennsylvania. Let's try to go out to New York. Let's go down to like Baltimore. So we had like a small time booking agent at the point in time. And uh, he was able to just get us out of state as often as, as we wanted to, like every weekend. And uh, it was more so because there was limited shows that were going on or we couldn't get on them. So it was like, fuck it. If we can't get on these shows, let's just go somewhere else. Right. Was there, an, during that time, was there any other bands sort of like in that Northeastern area that you would always cross paths with? Um, definitely earlier was like the last and seconds of life, um, because they're from that area. They're from Pennsylvania rather. So we used to always like play shows like with, with, with each other and stuff like that. And, um, definitely crossed their paths like really, really early, uh, in our career. And they were like way bigger and doing it more often than we were at that point in time. But yeah, that was a band that we've always used to like play shows with like way, way back when. And, uh, that's still kind of playing shows and touring. Great, great, great. All right, man. It's been great talking with you. Uh, I'll let you go. I uh, when um tell you know uh where can we uh find out more information about Lorna Shore online 
Uh, just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lorna Shore. Follow us, follow us on all of our like social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or subscribe to us on YouTube. I mean, or any of our personal accounts. <laughs> <laughs> right, definitely, definitely. All right, man, it's been good talking with you, and I can't uh, can't wait to see you guys when you come to Michigan. Hell yeah. Cool, man. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, pro- no problem, man. Okay, that was my interview with Adam D'Amico, the guitarist for Lorna Shore. It was definitely cool to talk to him. And now we get to the discussion part of the show. And like always, I'm joined with my co-host, Detroit hip-hop artist, pro wrestling and MMA connoisseur, and proud Marine, V-Styles. What's up, dude? Uh, oh, yeah. What's going on, Kelly? You all right? Oh, man, I'm great, man. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling all right. I'm a little sore from uh, continuing to go to kickboxing class, full body workout. I'm still not used to, but <laughs> it's getting there. That's a good, that, that, that. That's a that's a good sore, man. That's not that's not a bad sore. Oh yeah, it's definitely still, uh, yeah, definitely a good sore. Definitely, uh, I can barely I'm like move still, my arms. <laughs> I'm, I'm <go. laughs> Feel real heavy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like shit. Like hey man, hey feel the burn, man. Feel the burn. Feel the yeah, burn. I'm still I'm still geek from last night, man. I got a chance to be a kid again and. Right. Sing with, 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 you know, thousands of people, some of my favorite records of all time, man. I went to go see Tears for Fears and Hall of Notes yesterday. And, you know, like I said, my, my jaw, my, my muscles and my face still hurt from singing and smiling, <laughs> you know, all yeah. night. You know, I, I got the, you know, they did all my records. I mean, Hall of Notes did all my fucking records except Method of Modern Love. And I'm okay with that. Because they did everything else, man. Look, what said when you know "Say It Isn't So" came on, you should have heard your boy. It isn't so. Man, in my glory, in my glory, yeah, man. You know, if you go to a concert and you're not sweating by the time you leave, you're not enjoying yourself. Right, right, exactly, man. Shoot, a lot of people are way too cool for school, man. Going to some of these concerts, man. Shoot. I'm singing, baby. I'm there. Oh, hey, dude. Yeah. Dude, 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 dude. When Tears for Fears sang Head Over Heels, you should, I was in, in heaven. I was like, right. Because I'm Head Over Heels. I, I put the notes. The <laughs> notes was just like, yeah. They was looking like, that boy know these records. I was like, yeah, you're not the only one, baby. You're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and see, you know, you know, the craziest thing is, is like those, those is Tears for Fears and Hollow Notes were those, those particular types of artists that transcended all races, man. Like, like black folks <laughs> love them, you know, right. like, like, you know, you know, you know, was, I was telling, I was telling somebody today. When I was a shorty, and I ain't trying to put an age on myself, but it is what it is. Um, I, when I was a kid, I remember when FM98, like, they played Culture Club, and they played uh, Kenny Loggins, and they played Michael McDonald, and they played Hall of Notes, and we didn't know that they were white. We had no fucking clue. Right. We just knew that it fit the format of whatever, you know, station that it happened to be on. 
you know, and it wasn't until, like, I didn't know, I used to think time won't give me time because time makes love feel like they got something real. I used to sing that shit <laughs> and not even knowing that Boy George was, you know, what he what he is. And, <laughs> right. and that, that, you know, that's the amazing part about it, man, because that's the beauty of music. You don't give a fuck about it's either it's dope or it is not dope. And, and you know, it's just music transcends, it transcends everything, race, you know, you know, it brings, it's, it's just like something else that brings a lot of people together, you know, I, and I'll leave that in the air. But music's supposed to bring you together, man. I learned about a lot of artists before we got on this separating type shit, man. Like, people won't believe I used to tell, like, look, man, Kenny Loggins used to get spins on FM, FM 98. Right, man. man shit, that, that shit, like, that record? That's funky, man. You know, they didn't fuck, fuck with him when he put Footloose out, and I understand it, but he got records that, that stand, you know, Michael McDonald. Can't tell me that's one of the greatest soul voices of all time. Man, right. You know, so... When, when when I seen these groups yesterday, man, it just took me back to when I was a shorty, when it wasn't all this separate shit. If it was separate shit, as far as people not being together on the same page, I didn't know shit about it. I just knew that this is what I love, and it just yeah, it just took me back to my childhood, man. Like I said, I'm still smiling, man, because that shit was that shit was on point. Daryl Hall, Daryl Hall, by far is, you know, I don't know if I can say this, but yeah, he might be the most underrated and underappreciated overall artist of all time. That dude is dope. Super dope. Oh, of course. His jam sessions are just phenomenal. The shits that come on on VH1, like that dude, you know, like whatever it is, he has that it. You know, it just was real shit, man. I, I, yeah, Daryl Hall, boy. We like Oats too, but Daryl <laughs> Hall, that that man. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I wish I could have uh, made it to the to the show last night. Man, uh, Kelly, Kelly, we would have marked, we would have marked out. That's all I needed. I, I needed to. I mean, I, I had a road dog with me, you know, the opposite type. Right. But I, I'd have, I'd have, I, I, I. If you was there, oh man, dude, I, they probably would have had to carry me, carry me out, and I had to keep some some level of coolness going on. But yeah, yeah dog, I know what you yeah, mean. Dog, they, they, you know, you you, you don't want to because I'm getting looked at. They looking at me. I'm you know, and I ain't looking at them. Not giving no fucks because right, I'm in my happy place, man. I was straight up happy Gilmore. I was in a happy place yesterday, and it was like fuck y'all. I don't care if y'all like my singing. You getting it right now. You are getting it. Man. Yeah, I saw your pictures. Oh, you had some pretty pretty decent uh, seats, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know that's the whole thing. Like I wanted to initially, I was gonna get floor seats. You know, but it's like I wanted to enjoy the concert, and you know how it is being on the floor. Yeah. You know, so I, I really wanted to be close, but I wanted to be at a, at a respect a respectful point. So I could just, you know, I know I'm bald headed, but I just wanted to let my hair down, man. And, yeah, <laughs> Wait, just sit, just sit there and watch, man. Just like, yeah, man. Yeah, that man. Was great, man. 
<laughs> yeah, I wish I, I kind of wish I'd have took my son because my son is um, my son is twelve, and he is to me like the ultimate kid, and he loves the music that his dad loves, and he loves it not because of me, because he chose to listen to different things. So now we have like car, we have like eighties. 80s car karaoke when whenever he's in a ride. He, of course, he thinks he knows more than me, but I have to explain <laughs> to him. Like, I grew up, I grew up on this. Like, his favorite rapper, like, his favorite rapper is Raekwon. Yeah. But, but he loves LL Cool J. He loves Kumo D. He loves Bismarck. He, you know, it's like, wow. You know, he said, I, you know, he said, well, Dad, you're my second favorite rapper. You know, I said, well, who's number one? He said, well, Raekwon, I like Raekwon. I was like, okay, well, Dad, Dad's not disappointed being number two next to <laughs> Raekwon. That's the chef. <laughs> the fucking chef. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what music's supposed to do, man. Music's supposed to, you know, supposed to give you that, supposed to give you that feeling. Yeah, you was missed yesterday, man, but I might make it up to you, man. I'm, I'm getting close. I'm getting close to, to deciding whether I'm a, Roll out with you. You know, I might just, I might just do that. Oh. I might just do it. Dude. You know, my, that's Thursday, right? No, Tuesday. Oh, that's Tuesday night? Yeah. Ooh, okay, so what would I do? i do. Yeah, I'm not, that, yeah, that might be doable, man. That might be doable. I, I, I had to um, keep you posted on, on what's going on. That's Tuesday. Right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll definitely keep you posted on what's going on with that. Word, word, word. Uh, there's some, uh, we woke up to some sad news in the music world uh, today. Man. Man, oh, uh, God. Chris dude. Cornell, lead singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave, uh, passed away here in Detroit after the Soundgarden show at the Fox Theater last night. Uh, it's been uh, ruled a suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like, dude, like when I, this is this is gonna be definitely one of those days that I remember for the rest of my life, uh, because yeah. because yeah, like, um, because when I was when I was a teenager, and when we when you had the whole grunge explosion, like, mm-hmm. I I was more I more leaned towards Soundgarden and Alice in Chains more so than Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I like I like the um the the big sounding vocals that uh that both um, Chris Cornell and Lane Staley had. I I, I was drawn mm-hmm. drawn more towards that, and um like dude, it was like a, a like I I was more upset than I than I thought I'd be after reading that. I was like, oh shit, man, this was like because because he, he's definitely one of the best frontman of our of our dude. generation, you know. Dude, dude, dude. Look, look, look. They're only. Like, I know people that love Pearl Jam. I know people that love Nirvana and every other Seattle uh, grudge band that, you know, that came along around that time and yep. made it. And um, he probably has the best voice. Um, his voice just was, uh, you know, when they when Guru said it's mostly the voice, that shit is real. Cause real, real, real. Just, you know, that dude's voice, I say next to uh, the lead singer from Metallica, uh, James. Um, James Hetfield. Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Hetfield. Um, 
next to his voice, and they argue, they arguably that he could be, you know, better than him. You know, some people say one, two, two, one, however, however you want to look at it, but that dude's voice was just like, wow, are you fucking kidding me? I can remember, um, I remember the first time I seen Black Hole Sun, um, the, the, the video. Yeah. And it is the creepiest, dopest shit that I have ever seen, to, even to this day. It's still the creepiest, dopest video I've ever seen. And, you know, the song, the vocals, like everything about that video was like, wow. And no matter when it came on MTV, actually when they actually was playing fucking videos, whenever it came on, you, you, you know, if you love music, you you watch that song. You you watch that fucking video because, you know, you'd be like, hold on, man. He said, let me wait till this go off. And you would just look at that shit, man. It, this is just a sad loss. And, you know, what's even crazier is, like, I'm starting to think Detroit is like Gotham, man. Like, it's like a dark cloud. Dude. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, over my city, man. It's just different. You know, maybe this might be Gotham, man. Maybe that show on Fox is real and it's based out of Detroit, man. Because, like, wow, man. Whoever, who would have ever thought that? And then, and then it gives you, you know, a, a different perspective on stuff, man. You know, that dude went from people saying... I love you, worshiping the ground he was walk, walking on in, in, in the Fox. Yeah. Men, women of all ages was, I'm pretty sure, just was in heaven for, for, for those moments. And on the outside looking in, when we're looking at somebody like that who's an obvious icon and, and, and a superstar, and we're looking at him like he has the world in his hand. Yeah, and and then something like this happens, and it lets you know this dude was human. So whatever it was he was going through, you know, um, you know, I think sometimes people can see certain things, and I think even that night he probably was showing different things that was making you, you know, uh, make you wonder like what's going on and. I've dealt with suicide before, man. I had a girl that I was going to marry, man. And, you know, um, we, you know, I was working. I was dating for three years when I was at this one place. And, you know, uh, I, I used to be, you know, not the best boyfriend, you know, just didn't care young, doing stupid stuff. And, yeah. you know, we wound up breaking up. And, as you know, when I was when I started to become of age, man, that you know, being a better human, um, I said, you know what, I really treated her, you know, you know, not like she, you know, she should have been treated like the queen that she was, you know, right. she had my back, and you know, by that time, she had moved on to somebody else, and she was already damaged when she went to this next relationship, and I guess the guy that she had a relationship with. You know, it didn't go too well, and she just went into this deep depression. Now, we had started seeing each other again, and I would tell her, you know, I remember I got shot, and I was in the hospital, and, you know, I called her when I was in the hospital, and I told her, you know, I was telling her, like, you know, you know I'm, I'm shot, and, you know, she tells me. She's like, 
you know, I hope, you know, I hope you, uh, I hope, you know, hope something bad happens to you. She basically told me that. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty messed up, you know, because you don't, right. sometimes you just don't know how you affect certain people. And obviously I affect her to a point to where she needed to tell me that. And it was like, wow, you know, I didn't know. So, you know, you see the, you see the signs, man. You see the signs, you know. Hopefully, you know, hopefully his kids are, is okay and, you know, we can, we still have his music. Right. You know, we can enjoy, we, we can, we can enjoy the music, man, but yeah, definitely sad for music and sad for anybody that was a fan of, of him. Yeah. Like, so salute. Yeah. Salute like, uh, like in hindsight, um, looking at the show last night, um, you know, there was, you know, a lot of word coming out, you know, that there was a lot of weirdness with him last night. And, um, I'm, and uh, the free press did a really good uh, coverage of it. Um, a friend of mine, Ashley, who's um, who writes for the pre- uh, free press, she was at the show last night, and kind of um, after the news broke that he um, passed away, um, she wrote this whole article, kind of talking about all the signs that she saw last night. Uh, when you when you're seeing them, they're just like, okay, he's just being a rock star, or maybe he's tired from being on the road, so many shows, blah, 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 stuff like that, you know? Um, but then in hindsight, after something like that happens, you're looking like, oh, this, you know, this guy might have been actually going through something. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah her, yeah, her article is really detailed into, you know, kind of what she saw last night uh, in regards to it. Uh, Look, my, my, my girl was... You know, we got together for a short time before, you know, she passed. You know, she was doing stuff like, Orlando, I just want to let you know, you know, I forgive you, da 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 And it's just little things that you don't pick up on. It's a after the fact. Yeah. And I, I, I never forget, um, I was working, and I got a phone call. I was a double, and... I went home at seven in the morning. I got a phone call about nine oh three, and I had just took a shower, went went to bed, and I got this phone call. And I looked at the caller ID. Wow, caller ID. Looked at the caller ID, <laughs> and and you know I said the kid Gordon, and I looked at it and I said I'll give her a call when I wake up. And to this day, 9.03 a.m., I still live with that number as far as 9.03 a.m. Yeah. I still look at the clock every day at 9.03 a.m. Um, but I, I live with the fact that, damn, maybe she was reaching out to me and I could have did something. And I didn't pick the phone up. I took for granted that I was going to talk to her later on. Right. And right. It, it, it changed my whole perspective you know on life man so yeah man definitely definitely a sad loss tonight yeah it's it's crazy when you you well well, yesterday excuse me yeah it's crazy when um you kind of think about uh things in regards to mental health and suicide um any sort of behavioral issues it it, it's such a wide spectrum when it comes down to it that everybody Mm -hmm. like everybody is triggered in different ways and act in different ways or reaching out in different ways or being bothered in different ways that it's, you know, 
it's it's definitely hard to kind of gra- see those warning signs um, ahead of time, and it's and but but like also sometimes um, just having that um, you know being able to pick up that phone call or having that making that sort of um, you know reconsider even if it's just for a second might save a life you know so you're always thinking about what if I picked up that phone or what if I was there or you know there's a lot of what ifs after the fact you know I, I, I do look all the time all the fucking time it never goes away it's been uh, you know it's been it's been been about 20 years it never goes away Never goes away. So, and you always think about that with anything, sort of like with anything. um, And you kind of think about this with any sort of like tragedy like that, um, with where somebody passes away or you get shot or whatever. Like, like, what if you did one thing different, you know, that day, or um, what if you did go out with that one person or whatever, you know? uh, Would your course of would that other person's course of you know action changed or? something like that like the one thing that the one the one story that always pops in my mind if is if you know would this person still be alive act with with me mm-hmm. actually does involve um proof passing away i remember the day before yeah. he passed away um salam rock he was um he was living over like in hazel park at the time mm-hmm. and just out of the blue he like call he like texts me or calls me and says you know um he want to hang out or whatever. And I was just so beat that day or just hung over from the night before that I was just like, uh, nah, man. Uh, it's like, then like, and then I thought about it. Like after proof passed away, I was like, okay, what if I went and hung out with Salam and then we went, uh, met up with proof and then we went and did something different than what he ended up doing. Like, man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, I 100% know what you're saying. Right. It's it's shit like that. that, that that's, that's been a little thing that's always stuck in my mind. I'm like, what if I went and hung out with Salam, and then me and him, and we met up with Proof and them, and then we didn't go to that after hours, or we didn't, or one of us were able to calm him down, or, you know, a million different things, you know, what ifs, you know? Like, that always yeah. stuck out in my mind. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I miss proof, man. Proof was, yeah, yeah, real. That's real shit, man. That's super real shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I, it ain't a day that I don't see nine o three, and think about. Damn, I should have picked that phone up. you know, it is what it is, though, man. You know, you move on. You know, you keep the memories, but. You know, I'm still I'm still affected by that, man. I'm definitely still affected by that. Yep, yep. I'm uh, moving on to some more uh, happier subjects. I uh, <laughs> I wanted to uh, I you know I, I talked about this on my uh, <clears throat> on my so on my uh, Facebook and social media recently. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, like okay, last year when it came down to this podcast. For the summertime, mm-hmm. I just uh, like took the time off, you know, went and uh, did a bunch of things, rock festivals, camping, wrestling things and stuff. I took the whole uh, summer off. I think, I remember. Th- yeah, I think this year, because I'm like I'm like in a good such a good place with this podcast. 
I'm I'm mm-hmm. looking to expand more. And what let's I, get it. And what I, and one uh, two things I'm gonna I'm gonna do is um, I'm gonna add a uh, another episode to the podcast that is more centered around non like non main roster WWE wrestling like NXT all the indies all the Japanese stuff mm-hmm. and I know somebody I want to mm-hmm. do that with you know so um I'm probably not going to do that every week because that sort of stuff doesn't like move as quickly as WWE stuff maybe every two mm-hmm. weeks or once a month uh but um, okay. I definitely want to do that um soon uh just because I you know I felt like as I'm building like since you've uh, um come on to this uh podcast and once I've just kind of, you know, kept it growing, um, like there's been s- certain things that like I haven't been able to fit in and it's been more of like the mm-hmm. Japanese wrestling and stuff like that. I want to talk more about that stuff. So I'm going to like develop like an actual, you know, an, a, an episode, like maybe every couple of weeks or once a month. That's this so, so specifically dedicated towards like non like main roster WWE, you know, wrestling. So right. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with doing that. Nothing wrong with doing that. And then the other thing is, and I'm this is something that I've like always wanted to do, and I've like, like sort of never, I, I've always like kind of talked myself out of it or made excuses. I'm gonna, I want to do fresh is the word radio, and it's gonna be. Oh, that's that sound dope. It's gonna be music based. It's gonna be all music based, just like a, uh, uh just like a radio show. Um. I'm, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to, I'm probably going to just like, um, host it on Mixcloud, uh, for now, because, uh, I just want to kind of, um, experiment with it instead of like trying to get hooked up with an actual internet radio station, do stuff live and stuff like that. So I, I'm not sure on the, on the frequency, maybe if I, if I can do it every week, I would love to, uh, at least maybe every two weeks or once a month to start. Um, and I, the base the basis of it is I definitely want to do um I want it to be geared towards newer music uh of all kinds and um like the two the two sort of shows that I want to pattern pattern uh, pattern it after is um both uh Benji B and Annie Max uh um radio shows on um BBC Radio 1 uh just okay. basically how they do their stuff um is kind of like just uh, what I want to do um, cause I'm, a, this is the thing is I'm, I, that's like the main thing that I've always wanted to do. Like, I, I like, as much as I like, disc, like, you know, interviewing people and getting their stories and stuff like that, I love just to play p- people's music, you know, and I love doing mm-hmm. that, you know, and, um, and as much as I like going out and being a DJ, you know, you know, that's a lot of times it still leaves you with a void where you're there's other music that you like that you want to play for people that necessarily isn't for the you know the club or the bar or whatever you know that I want to like still be able to play and like I you know I post stuff on like my Twitter and uh, Facebook and stuff like that with links to stuff that I come across in my inbox or whatever but I kind of want to you know have like it packaged into a you know, a regular thing, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do something like this. So I'm like super psyched. Like I, I'm like, I really just want to get like, just have it like as soon as possible. So probably sometime next month in June is when I'll like drop the first one. Okay. All right. Well, sure. Keep me in the loop. Let me know what's going on. You know, I'm definitely here. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm like, yeah, I'm super psyched about that. It was just like, I was like, I was like listening to somebody's like music podcast or uh, their radio show the other day when I was at work, and I'm like, like, I kind of just want to do this, you know? Like, let me just do this. Like, okay, I'll just do it. I don't care. I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> I just do it. Right. <laughs> like, all right. I'm like, I already. I mean, I already got this podcast thing, and I can just build it more th- th- uh, through that and everything and have it all host in the same, you know, have it all be a part of the same sort of umbrella. So I'm super geeked about doing that. As you should be. Yeah, definitely. As you fucking should be, for real. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on towards the, the world of MMA. Uh, this past weekend was UFC 211. I. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, this pay-per-view. There was uh, there's a lot of good fights uh, in the main event. Uh, Stipe Miocic uh, knocked out Junior Dos Santos in uh, in the first round. And um, dude, okay, between that that fight and early on in the preliminaries, the uh, the Chase uh, Sherman versus Rashad Coulter fight. Dude, oh man, the heavyweights the were heavyweighting man that night. Man, we were getting some heavyweight action, bro. <laughs> And I just want to put this on record. Came on the wall, called me Daywalker before he called the other <laughs> dude Daywalker. Dude, I've I... been Daywalker from day one. And I'm claiming that name, Rashad. We got to fight over that name, bro. Cause I even put it in the rhyme. I put it in the rhyme on, on my last album. Bro, when... That's right. I was like, okay, I was, I, ha- I had... I had the prelim fights on, and I was just kind of doing some, I don't know, some stuff around the crib. And when I heard, like, the the names of both of these guys in this fight, I was like, the Daywalker versus the Vanilla Gorilla. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that, that shit was real. Yo, even DC laughed at that shit. He was just like, man, we got the Daywalker versus the Vanilla Gorilla. This is amazing. Yeah, that shit was real, bro. But that man, it was real. But but that was a that was a dope fight, man. There was some two heavyweights, you know, getting their heavyweight on, man. I like lo- I like that fight. Dudes was fighting like they was fighting for a contract, and Rashad definitely was fighting like, yeah, I, I belong here. Um, you know, I'm gonna give him my all, and I think that's what fans want to see all the time, but they don't understand that certain styles make fights, man. So you're not going to get that type of fight all of the time. Right. You know, it just was a, it was a good fight for him to, to, to let it loose. And that's what they did. You know, they, they, they let loose, they let loose so much that they both got 50 grand a piece at the end of the night, you know, for fight of the night. So that's what it's all about. Right. Right. You know, 50 grand changed my man. Like, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, and then, like we talked about before, we were uh, definitely excited for the Eddie Alvarez Dustin Poirier fight, and it came out as you know it was it was a good oh man it was such a it was a good fight man. And then um, we got to the point where the Eddie whole... was Eddie was being Eddie. Eddie, <laughs> what happens in it? You know, people really not familiar with Eddie Alvarez. You know, traditionally he gets rocked, rocked. Mm-hmm. I like to call it. I like to call it the wake up punch. Oh yeah, and he got once that. Once he get, <laughs> once he get woke up, it's like he turned. It takes him getting hit for him to be like, okay, let's go, motherfucker. 
Yeah, man. He got that rocked. In the, yeah. That didn't happen in the Connor fight, you know, because, you know, from what Eddie says, you know, he hits, you know, like a, like a fucking bus. Right, right. Um, um, but all in all, um, Eddie Alvarez is, is, you know, traditionally he always have good fights, man. And Dustin Poirier, you know, I'm not going to say he, he was out of there. Um, but, you know, to me, the momentum had easily switched. And, you know, I, one punch from either one of them could have ended the fight, man. I would like to – they need to redo that. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to, but uh, it looks like uh, Dustin Poirier did uh... – uh, get a concussion for that fight, so it's going to be a little bit longer than normal for that rematch to go on. Um, but it's like, um, there, you know, like I was uh, like texting you that time, uh, that night after the habit. I'm like, man, it was such a good fight and such a disappointing ending. And these whole and these whole rules in regards to knees and everything is so confusing. Um, but uh, you know, Herb Dean was the uh, there was the ref for that fight and. He actually went on the uh, MMA hour, and he was actually, and he also did some stuff on his uh, social media to explain more, I guess you know, more for the casual fans and other people about what the um, what they deem grounding and stuff like that. And I kind of, you know, I kind of understand, you know, uh, where he's coming from, from where uh, where he's standing. Um, and the thing is, once once all those once those knees happened. I knew I knew at that point I was like okay Eddie Alvarez is not doing that maliciously just because of where he was at like his head was over uh, Poirier's back and it didn't didn't look like he was able to see where if um if uh, Poirier's hands were grounded but um and that's what Herb said Herb yeah, said that yeah and and basically uh, um Herb said uh, because in the past um people were trying to game the system by trying to just like put their fingers on the ground or whatnot, what they think, what they uh, deem as uh, ground, a grounded hand is if your weight is on top of your hand, you're, you're shifting your weight to hold up, hold up your, uh, the rest of your body. Like if you were to swipe your hand away, away, you would fall. That's when you're grounded. But if you just have some fingers on the ground, that's not officially mm-hmm. being grounded, you know. So that 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 first kick, he still wasn't grounded. And Herb said that he was trying to uh, warn Eddie Alvarez, but it was so loud in there that he um, probably didn't hear him. But when that second kick happened, it, um, he you know he did have um, he was grounded at that time, but Eddie couldn't see that he was grounded. So mm-hmm. that's why you know it came mm-hmm. to a no contest. That it was accidental. Um, I, I, you know, I have no problem with that. It just happened. Shit happens. But like, the, you know, the rules with grounded and what's grounded and the knees and everything has become so confusing that even if you tell the fighters beforehand what the rules are in that particular night, you know, you're still getting rocked in there and there's so much going on that like, it's hard to keep that straight. Yeah, I agree with you. I get, I, I find myself. You know, um, at times, uh, especially with the unified rules being changed, I find I, sometimes I'm like, damn, is it one or two? You know, because every <laughs> week it seems like it's it's a different fucking rule. Right, right. So you know, I, yeah, we that we I think we all we all need clarity on that to, to move on. You know, they need to they need to start being you know 
more um, consistent on these calls, man. It can't be the same. It can't be different shit every week. You're not doing nothing but confusing. You're confusing people who follow the sport and the typical fan who really don't know shit, you know, they're more fucked up than what they already were before because <laughs> right. they don't know. So we just need some consistency, man, and uh, I think eventually they'll get it together. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Frankie Edgar, uh defeated Yao Rodriguez. Man, he, like, Frankie Edgar right. was... Like he, that, he was, that, that, that's the same dude that smashed BJ Penn. Dude, he's, like it was like he was like he was just garbage. Man, Edgar was on point that night. Man, he 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 ran through uh, Rodriguez. Man, like I was like shit. Man, he, he beat boy up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I'm definitely uh, happy with with that performance, man. Uh, good for him, man. I just it would be dope. To see Frankie get get another title shot, man, and win, you know, maybe he might, you know, I think he might win and and, and fucking retire, you know, go out on top. I like Frankie, but he's always been one of the good guys. Right. Uh, Damian Maya defeated um uh, Jorge Masvidal in a, a split decision. That was. That was a bit of a crazy fight, man. Damian Maya is like a like a sucky buy, man. He he just gets on top of you, man. When, even when you're standing and you can't get him off, man. He's like he's like a big old octopus or something, man. <laughs> he 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 just want to get a hand on you. He want to get something on you, and once he hits you, it's pretty much up to you, you know, where this fight gonna go. Um. Well, I take that back. It's pretty much up to him, you know, waiting for you to make the next wrong move. And it also showed you that uh, Jorge, you know, he knows this jiu-jitsu, you know, because average guy, you know, the hit you know, he choked out Nacho Montero like it was nothing. Yeah. You know, so so for Masvidal to survive that for three rounds is, you know, pretty amazing. That him surviving that, especially when he got even the body triangle when he was standing up yeah. against the fence. Yeah. I'm like, how in the fuck is he not, you know, and he knew what he was doing, man. So, you know, good job, you know. Uh, I hope Jorge gets another another good fight. I, somebody they, he, he, somebody just called him out, man. Uh, was it Steven Wonderboy Thompson? I, I think, think he might be yeah, trying to so. fight him next. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would be a dope fight. I would love to see that fight, man. But who do you pick between Damian Meyer and Teron Woodley? You know, does Teron Woodley try to overpower him with punches? Right. Probably does, you know, because I see Teron trying to knock him out, not even yeah. remotely trying to use his wrestling to, you know, uh, to get him to the ground. He don't want to go to the ground with Damian Maya. I don't care how good his wrestling is, you're not going to, um, but he, he's, he's different when it comes to that. That dude is one of the few guys that has stuck to his original 
his his original discipline from day one. Yeah. So, you know, um, I like Damian Maya. It would be dope to see him with the strap. So, you know, um, looking forward to seeing him in the tournament next. But shout out to uh, Masvidal for uh, being a beast and, you know, surviving them submission attempts, man. Because, uh, like I said, you know, you don't you don't survive generally Damian Maya. Right. On no level. In the women's strawweight bout that uh, night, uh, Ioana Young Jacek uh, defended her belt again against Jessica Andrade. Uh, five rounds, pretty much, uh, you know, a one-sided masterclass from uh, Ioana. But Jessica Andrade stayed in there, man. She was a pit bull, man. She she toughed it out, though, man. I was I was pretty much impressed with her too, man. Yeah, she took a lot of punishment, man, and stood right there like, yeah, give me more. It was almost like... Right. Uh, it was almost like Sidney Ray Robinson going against Jake LaMotta, and Jake LaMotta looking, looking at him like, you didn't put me down, Ray. You didn't put me down. Right. Your Honor is a... Man, in fact, you know, why can't we do this? Right now, she's my favorite female fighter um and she's definitely in the pound for pound um yeah you know i think people need to to uh start you know she's in she's in the pound for pound list or she's on the list but i think she needs to be a little higher yeah hell they had ronda rousey in the top five you know she deserves way much more than that um i can't wait to leave her man i'm gonna fly down to florida go to america top team you know uh, when I when I go see Mo, um, yeah, I'm definitely go. Uh, you know, she, if she's in town, I'm, I'm gonna try to meet her, man. She's she's my my favorite. You know, women fighter. Funny thing, well, I take that back. Please forget women. Hold on, I gotta say this back. I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to say she's my <laughs> favorite woman fighter. Um, you're my one. You're my favorite woman fighter. Um, I don't even like saying one, but you're one of my favorite fighters. Right. Um, and, and Joanna comes in a close second to you, but you're definitely number one. But <laughs> I still love her as far as, you know, she got heart, you know, and her striking is, is second to none, man. So, you know, we need to, you know, it's amazing how the world can get behind Ronda Rousey and, you know, she had one move. You know, it was like DJ said, we never ever see her get one leg kick, but yet somehow she can beat Floyd Mayweather in the fight. Um, <laughs> you know, right. why why can't we champion some somebody like Joanna, who is out here showing her disciplines? You see the Muay Thai, you see, you know, you see her striking, you see her 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 defense, you see that she could take one. And get four. Uh, it's really hard not to respect somebody that's like that. You know, she go in there, you know, and it's true grit off rip. Right. So, so yeah, I, I, I fucks with her, man. I, I never miss her fights, man. Man, it was, never, it was. It was so. It's, my boy, her. My boy, her strength coach. Yeah. 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 It was, it's so much fun to watch her, and um. 
she uh she actually broke her own record in regards to significant strikes that she landed in that fight. And she had forty she had she averaged forty some odd um strikes. She threw like seventy eight uh punches per round. Right. And she landed and she landed you know, some like like she landed over forty shots each round. That's like that that's a lot of fucking work. That's crazy, man. And like um Jessica and Josh was like to throw land tanger punches in a round. She landed forty one shots in a round. Right. Yeah, and Jessica and Josh was throwing some uh some good punches back at her, but as the rounds were uh, you know, going, she was starting to get tired and um and Joanna was just, you know, was able to just move out of the way out of everything toward in those the later rounds. Like her quickness was just still there, man. She's built man, Joanna can easily go five rounds. It's nothing to her, man. Like those in those last two rounds, she was just like stepping out of way of uh, out of um, out of those punches. It was crazy, man. It was like it was so like. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, man, with Jessica and Josh, man, she's only like 24, 25 years old. She's still budding. I, uh, I think she could be like a big problem, man, for this uh, upcoming one twenty five division coming up. If she wants to be a I part agree of that, she could be a problem. And I agree, <laughs> real problem. Yeah, she could be it. <laughs> Yeah, she did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna see what happens from here. But yeah, I do agree with your assessment on that. She could be a problem. Yeah, that 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 would be exciting to see with the with the 125 division because there's a lot of women that want to fight in that weight class. You know, and they've been wanting mm-hmm. to for a long time, and they will feel more comfortable. And if you, and it'll be nice to see you know some of these fighters if they you know feeling a little bit more. I guess healthier and comfortable in that particular weight class. So we'll see, you know, what happens with it all. So that's good. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree with that. Cool. I'm curious. I'm curious to see who they uh, who's gonna be in that division. Right. Yeah. It. I mean, there's there's you know there's a lot of you know people that, already that, there. That. It, it, I mean. Have they? We talking about the one twenty five, right? Yes. And who, who have they made any sign? Any uh, or, or, or is people people moving down or moving up to that weight, or are they bringing you know a lot of different women fighters in, or how is that how is that working? Well, for I don't I don't think anyone anything is official yet. They've you know they they finally came out and say they're gonna do it as part of uh, the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> Um, but, okay, so that's what it is, the Ultimate Fighter. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, so they're gonna, um, so they're just gonna, I guess, uh, cast for it. You know, however they cast for um, for the Ultimate Fighter, I guess. So, um, okay. So it's gonna go that route. So uh, that you know, that'll be exciting, and 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 I think it's you know right to have that particular division. Like I've said in the past, like having that jump from one fifteen to one thirty five is like. That's just a big jump for women. Yeah, I agree. I guess twenty pounds. Everybody can't hold twenty pounds, especially when you know. I mean, they could, they could, you know, because uh, they pretty much walk around close to that weight. But yeah, I feel what you're saying. Yeah, I feel what you're saying. And then, of course, in the wrestling world, we have uh, WWE's backlash and NXT's takeover uh, this weekend. 
So there's a lot of uh, of fighting and wrestling and stuff like that to uh, watch this weekend. Mm-hmm. That you can watch this weekend. Yeah. Um, who uh, who are you picking in the Jinder Mahal Randy Orton match? <laughs> It's at this point it's just like I don't care, man. Like, okay, it's I just don't care anymore. It's Look, I mean, let me tell you, let me tell you something, man. I just don't care anymore. And I'm about I'm about to like I think me and you pretty much on the same page here. Um Yo Vince. Uh you know, I don't even know if you're gonna hold this podcast. Probably not. You know, who knows? But your Vince. What the fuck is he doing, man? Like, AJ Styles should never lose to a person like Jinder Mahal. I know it's wrestling. I get it. Right. But, but you sacrifice your A1 player to make him, to make the other guy look good. After this title run and y'all do a little deal in India, well, not little deal, but big deal. You do this big deal in India and you know, I get all that. But what happens after he loses? Is he still uh you know, that that terrifying star that you're trying to make this I don't believe him. When I look at him I just don't believe you went from being this dude that got pinned <coughs> by everybody. Even the jobber's jobber to <laughs> beating elite guys in the company, man, and shit like that. And you be like, oh, man, this shit's fake. Because it's just unbelievable. Like, I, like y'all, y'all really hurt me by putting him over AJ Styles. You don't ever put somebody like him in the caliber of AJ. Like, you just don't. Like, no, no, no. If they did that 10 times, then 11 times AJ wins. So <laughs> I, I don't, you know, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed, man. I'm disappointed in this bullshit. Um, I know that's a girl, but, um, I'm, you know, she needs to give that girl back at her trademark from the Justice League. Um, so bad in and her hair is different color. I like that shit. That shit's cool. Um, I know that's your girl. I know you love her, man. And I might take my time just trying her tonight, man, because <laughs> it, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel bad. You know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not... I, I ain't feeling a lot of shit these days, man. I'm just... I ain't feeling... You got a part-time world champion and... and Universal champion and and Brock Lesnar. Do do you know do you know do you know what part of like WWE I'm actually I actually have the most fun watching and it's the stupidest shit ever is when uh, um, Fandango and uh, Tyler Breeze do the fashion files, dude. That shit is so hilarious. Dude, I love when the fans hear Fandango music and they do the Fandango dance. Yes, dude. I'm more look. Look, I'm more. Yeah. I, I'm more invested in Breezango versus the Usos right now, which I never thought I'd ever say that. 
<laughs> oh man, the Usos. But still blow. Like I don't care. <laughs> you know, you can put AF ones on, you can like, I felt like this I get what you're trying to do. <laughs> Yo, I felt like this past week, man, like the Usos just got done watching Menace to the Society before they came out. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. I was like, what up, my G? What up, my G? I was like, what? we are the Usos. I'm like, it's like the fuck out of here with that cornball <laughs> shit. I was Hate like, that shit, man. I was like, I'm like, there's something different about these guys this week, man. I feel like they just got done watching Menace to Society or something, man, and just they went, <laughs> they went from, they went from, you know, being the Usos to being Crime Time. <laughs> right, man. Right. It's like, man, that ain't be your personality, man. You. You better not. You you should come off as past the Rick and Paul type type dude. Now all of a sudden you say, "Man, come on, who you gonna fool, man?" But but I'll say this, man. Going back to uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze, man. Those two together actually are really hilarious. And there's little shit that kind of comes out in those uh, fashion file uh, segments that is actually really hilarious. Like how the Usos keep on saying day one-ish, day one-ish. Like uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tyler Breeze was like, day one H? Day one H? What's day? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's, that's like such a white person thing to say, man. Like, <laughs> that dude, funny, funny, wow. Day one is H? What? Day one is that's H? Fun. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, shit. I'm like, man, like, low key, man. Like, I'm starting to see like that those guys can actually be super creative between what they did, uh, they're doing the fashion files thing, and then what their characters were on um, the uh, Southpaw uh, regional wrestling. I'm like, yo, those. Oh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta watch that, man. I think I've seen one episode, and I haven't seen oh, the man. rest of them. I know it's on the WWE Network. Or I think they just, they might just have it on uh, YouTube because they just put it on YouTube when originally. So uh, if you go to uh, like, yeah. just. Like search it on there, but Tyler Breeze is actually super funny on that man. Like he, like I'm starting to like really believe that like that that guy can do a lot of things that we don't even realize, man. When it comes to characters and stuff like that, so I'm super behind this fashion files thing because it's so hilarious, so absurd, and it's so funny. <laughs> Sometimes it takes something like that, man, to get ahead. Shoot, man. <laughs> but besides that, besides that, man, the only thing I'm really like uh, looking forward to at uh, the pay per view this weekend is the AJ Styles versus uh, Kevin Owens U.S. Title match. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I, I don't know what to expect now. The WWE has it seemed like they're trying to lessen the Styles brand, and you should never lessen the Styles brand because. You know, we know, we know who we, we know, we all know who should win, win the match all the time. Right. And it's AJ Styles. It should never be to anybody that's less than him. I'm just being 100. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. But I don't know. In, in general, man, like the SmackDown Live just hasn't been as good as it was before they did the Superstar Shake Up. So I don't know what. Mm. And you know why? And you know why? Because <laughs> AJ Styles is not winning. Right. Right. No, I can much more accept anything that comes on SmackDown as long as AJ Styles wins. If he wins, it's a good week. Definitely. If he loses, I, I just don't get the whole gender Mahal push. Like, it just happens so quick. It wasn't even a build-up. Rusev didn't get the love that, that, that this dude is do, uh, doing. I mean, getting. And he didn't put in work. Right, right, <laughs> right, definitely. <laughs> no, I would, I would, I'd much rather see Rusev be like in this position, you know, because he actually put in the work, man, and and they had a, like a, and, he, and they had like a like a, they had like a thing in the beginning of his uh, of his run that was actually really good, man, and I don't know. Overnight, Jinder Mahal being AJ Styles. Get the fuck out of here. I'm glad I, I'm glad I missed that, dude. I was like, I, I didn't get home to watch that, and I heard about it, and I was like, I'm glad I missed that. Hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, I'm saying to myself, yeah, the WWE ain't going to put this motherfucker over this week. Uh-uh, dude, it ain't going to happen. Then that shit happened. I was like, man. I didn't even watch the rest of the show after that. I cut that shit off. I I only like watched a little bit. Night. I I only watched like the middle part of it because then like there was other stupid shit happening and I was like you know what? I just gonna go to bed man I don't know if I want to even watch the rest of this, and it's it's weird though the the sort of push that they're doing with Jinder Mahal is like a sort of push they should be doing with other people, like mm. like it, it, within their feuds but they haven't been doing. It's really weird, man. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't know why they're they're doing it like so. I don't know. It, it it just it just weird to me. It is fucking ultra corny, bro. Super ultra corny. Mm-hmm. Yep. I will yep. say it every time. Say it every <laughs> fucking time. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I think that's about it for this week's podcast. Um, V Styles, uh, tell them where they can see, you, uh, find you online. Hit your man V Styles up at uh, facebook.com forward slash V Styles. Or you can hit me up at my official artist page. It's verified at www. Excuse me, www. Or is it three W's? Yeah, yes. three W's. <laughs> three W's dot facebook.com forward slash official V Styles. That's Official V S T Y L E Z. You hit me up on Twitter, forward slash V Styles, and Instagram at forward slash V Styles. V S T Y L E Z. Word up. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Peace. Fresh is the word.